Welcome everyone, this is Regina and you're listening to Those Catholic Shrinks with Regina and Lisa. Today's podcast, we're talking about marriage, but in particular, four healthy habits of happy marriages. Mm, I love marriage. This is like my favorite topic ever. Oh, <laughs> so fun. And there's lots of good, juicy things that happen in relationships that make it worth talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's one of those things where a lot of this, and so it's marriage, but a lot of these same things we're talking about can also be applied to um, either um, engaged couples or dating relationships too. Because the same, the skills that you're using in marriage are the same ones hopefully you're practicing in those areas too. So Absolutely. In fact, you know, if you're not married but in a dating relationship, you know, these could be signs of to make sure that you're on the right track and headed towards a healthy, happy marriage. Exactly. Um, and if you have maybe the opposite of some of these five habits we're going to talk or four habits we're going to talk about, then that could be a sign that maybe you're not headed in that direction. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. It can be useful to anyone. Mm-hmm. So the first one, willingness to hear feedback mm-hmm. from your spouse. And I think this is huge because there's so many things that come up in a relationship where just because you're two different people raised in two different families, your view of the world is different. You come at things from different perspectives. So it can be something as simple as one of you likes to hang the car keys on the key hook by the door perfectly every day and the other one just throws it on the kitchen counter, right? And so every day when you go to look for those car keys and they're not on the hook, they're on the counter, you come to your spouse and you say, hey, um, would you mind, you know, next time, can you just remember to put the car keys on the hook, please? Like, it's really hard when I'm running late and I can't find the... So willingness to receive that feedback, right, as a healthy habit in a healthy marriage, somebody would say, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I'll try to do it next time. An unhealthy response would be, you know, what the beep is your problem? (laughs) Get off my back. You always forget X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So defensiveness. Yeah, becoming very defensive. Mm -hmm. And so I think one thing you'll notice in a happy marriage is being willing to receive that criticism without getting overly defensive, being willing to receive that feedback Mm -hmm. about some area where you can improve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that, what's important with that is um, there's a certain level of vulnerability that's involved in being able to receive feedback. It's like, okay, I'm hearing something about myself that is not perfect, Mm -hmm. and so there's a certain level, like I said, vulnerability and trust that comes in when your spouse is telling, giving you feedback that the reason they're telling me this is not to manipulate me or because they're being selfish, that, you know, there's something else going on there and I trust my spouse in hearing this feedback and that I'm not the only one that has to receive feedback right? and that is willing to receive feedback. There needs to be a reciprocal nature to it where mm. when they mess up, or when they do something that you need them to change on or hoping they can change, that they can hear that feedback from you as right. well and be willing and open to hearing that. Absolutely. And, and doing it out of love for them. Out of mm-hmm. love, you respond appropriately because you care about them. And so, oh, yeah, I didn't never thought about that, that it would make it easier for you to get out of the house in a pinch if I leave it on the hook instead of mm-hmm. them having to go searching for it or something like that so yeah you responding to that feedback 
compassionately <laughs> yeah. out of love for that person, you know, is definitely healthy versus responding yeah. in a defensive way. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, it kind of goes, it's counterintuitive to maybe what um, society kind of tells us, especially in movies and things like that is like, oh my gosh, I found my other, like my other half. Yeah. And they're like, my soulmate, my soulmate and like my life is going to be perfect now because of this. And mm. like, and I think that it's, that's such a, an unhealthy way of kind of viewing a relationship because, you know, if I'm, if I'm a perfect half, I need another perfect half to make myself whole. Then I have to be perfect. I can't do anything wrong. I can't mm. mess up, you know, yeah. versus what I would say our faith teaches is that I need to be a whole person mm-hmm. before I enter into a relationship. Yes. And also recognizing that in being a whole person, I am imperfect, and knowing that my spouse and partner is a whole person on their own, can exist without me, mm-hmm. we're not codependent, and that they also are imperfect. And if you if that's how you start your relationship, when the other person messes up, it's not that's not what I agreed to. You made yourself seem to be this perfect person that was going to fix my life. Right. Or I thought I had to be this perfect person and fix your life. Mm-hmm. And now I've messed up. And I either have to be, like, shame-based about it or I have to hide it. And I think that's where a lot of defensiveness comes in. It's like, I'm supposed to be perfect, and so I can't let you know that I've messed up and I can't be vulnerable in that way because that's not what we agreed on. Mm -hmm. Whereas our faith would say, like, part of marriage is getting one another to heaven. Like, that's the point of marriage. And if the point of marriage is that it makes me a better and holier person. Mm -hmm. If it's my school of holiness, Mm -hmm. then I need to be open to feedback. Absolutely. Because that's how I'm going to learn. Here's where my, my growth edges are. Mm -hmm. Here's my, where my weaknesses are. And my spouse is going to help me to grow into that and to become better. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that unless you're hearing feedback from them. Absolutely. That you just made me think of, uh, study I came across recently. I was reading some articles on Dr. John Gottman's <laughs> website, which for people who don't know who he is, um, he's a current just mega primary therapist in the marriage and family therapy world, and all of us kind of go crazy over him. He's yeah. a very prominent leader and has done over 30 years of research about couples. Um, so anyway, so he was saying that, not to pick on the men here, but this is what his research has found, that um, husbands who aren't as willing to accept influence from their wives, or in mm. other words, receive feedback from them, mm. there's an 81% chance that that marriage is more likely to fail. Mm. Just when the husband mm. is not receiving. Wow. Being receptive and open to that feedback. Yeah, and that's a huge 81% chance. I that mean, that's, that's pretty significant, and I think... Part of what they were saying was because just in general, there's a tendency what they found that women are more likely to accept that influence for whatever reason, and men have a tendency to become more defensive and hold their positions, and I guess if you're more likely to do that, it's you could be heading towards an unhealthy, unhappy marriage. And I think that, to kind of maybe spin that around in a positive way, I think that speaks to the power of... A man in a relationship that mm. they hold a very um, 
important role in the marriage. And again, I think popular media would try to make them out like watch any sitcoms. It makes yes. men and husbands out to be these bumbling idiots. King of Queens. Oh, gosh. Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> of old sitcoms. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, but very few of them have like a very like strong and grounded husband who kind of is is somebody who's competent. Right. No, like what the what popular media puts out there is that men are idiots and women are the ones that hold it all together. Mm. And I do know that there are many women who feel like I'm the only one holding it together. And that's because that's out of the natural way of things are supposed to be. Right. Is that it's not supposed to be a 50-50. It's supposed to be a 100 and a 100. And Mm -hmm. so it's important for us to hear things, statistics like that. Like, it is important for men to be just as committed and involved um, and intentional in relationships as women. Because if you're honest with yourself, you know that nobody's perfect. And whether you're a man or a woman, you can't be perfect 100% of the time. And so just, again, being willing to receive that feedback as a person in general. Yeah. Can only be helpful. Exactly. <laughs> it can't hurt. Yep. <laughs> and it will make your marriage happier. Exactly. Which who wouldn't want that? Oh my gosh. Like, it makes life better all the way around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our second, what's our second? Um, this one maybe doesn't go, like, as deep into the heart, but I do think this is really, really important, is making sure to take time for each other as a couple. Mm. Going on dates, spending quality time, just the two of you. Yes. I think that's our life in the modern world right now is so incredibly busy and hectic. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to have have kids for it to be that way. Mm -hmm. You know, we have an 18 month old and like even before Jimmy came along, Mm -hmm. our life was insane. Yeah. We very rarely had like spare time to ourselves. And even then we had to be intentional of Mm -hmm. saying, we are going on a date at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's we're going on a date at least once a month. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're still but making time right, for that. It's still on the calendar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the rest of the world and the, can, can take over. And so mm-hmm. you have to put boundaries around your marriage and protect it because the world doesn't care. It's going to just take up your time if it can. Absolutely. There's always work to be done. There's always friends or family coming to town. There's always some party or event mm-hmm. you know that you can go to and so if you don't take that initiative and prioritize and put something block out that time yeah. on your calendar it's going to it will be taken up by something else yeah um, even if it's just vegging out and watching tv without any real plan yeah <laughs> um you know which could be used as a date time but are you intentionally blocking that out as you're time Mm -hmm. together and is that time where you actually spend being in relationship with Mm -hmm. one another Mm -hmm. um because i think the danger is is if you don't make time for this if you don't make time to spend with one another where you're having conversations and where you're connecting Mm -hmm. really connecting with one another um then the danger is is that slowly over time it stops being so much of a marriage and a relationship so much as you become roommates who live parallel lives right um, and I see that a lot, mm. a lot where it's just like we happen to live in the same house. Right. And I see you in the morning when I get up 
Mm-hmm. And I say goodbye to you as we leave. We go both go about our days. Mm-hmm. And then when we get back in the evening, it's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Right. Maybe you eat dinner together real quick. Right. Maybe you don't. And then you just go to bed. Mm-hmm. And it's like. But there's no life in that mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's the danger of, like, not making time for intentional time together mm-hmm. is it stops being a partnership and it starts becoming a roommate relationship right um and it, it it's incredibly hard mm-hmm. like life is very demanding and those of you who have children it becomes even more demanding you know who have yeah. your sweet little baby who's yes. how old now she's eight weeks eight weeks yeah it's yeah. so hard mm-hmm. and i actually remember when jimmy was born it was right around the same time it was like he was two months three months old mm-hmm. and you know, it was before he we were able to take him out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, he must have been somewhere around six weeks. So we couldn't yeah. take him outside yet because mm-hmm. um, we didn't want him being around lots of people. And um, we hadn't gone on a date for five or six weeks mm-hmm. and because we just couldn't. Right. I was still healing. Right. Baby was still really vulnerable. Um, and so one night I was, um, I had been putting Jimmy to bed, and when I came out, Andy had set up, we have a little solarium in our house, he had set it up with, like, candles and, like, um, glasses of wine and Scrabble, and it was just really cute. Yeah. And he's like, we're having a Scrabble date night, Aww. and it's like, it's like we're in our, like, little bistro, so we're having an <laughs> in-home Scrabble date night. And then we ended up fighting over the Scrabble because we're <laughs> highly competitive people, <laughs> but... You know, we couldn't leave the house, and yet we still knew, and Andy knew, like, we need to make intentional time for this. So, and we also knew we probably only had about two hours because that baby was going to wake up soon. Right, exactly. But, and that's, like, when people say you have to carve out time, I like, I really hear that verb now. You have to, like, carve it out sometimes, like, with a chisel. Right. Or, like, a sledgehammer. The anxiety rises of yet another thing on my to-do list of Mm -hmm. how can I possibly fit this in yeah but it doesn't have to be this big fancy let's go to a five-star restaurant and ride there in a limo you know it's (laughs) that sounds lovely (laughs) that'd be nice (laughs) um but yeah you might only have two hours in your house because the baby's gonna wake up Mm -hmm. and that's the season of life that your marriage is in at that point yeah and you take advantage of that. So carving out time or setting time aside really just means being intentional. And I think what's important about that too is you're having some recreational carefree timelessness together Mm -hmm. when you are doing the date night. You're not going over the list of to-dos and you're not saying, oh, did you drop the car off? Did you do this? Tomorrow I'm going to the grocery store. What do we need? Right? You're just spending time together, having fun, casual conversation because... That's, again, we don't want to be in the roommates like you were saying before. Yeah. We don't want to be living like roommates. We want to be fostering and building and nurturing that relationship like when you were dating. Yes, exactly. Before you got yes. married. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> Hence date night. Like, <laughs> you want to be spending that time in the yes. same way you were. Yeah. You have to keep that going and building that relationship, deepening that relationship. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it won't exist. Yeah, exactly. And it, there's a danger of it becoming just utilitarian. Mm. Like, we're only in this in this partnership right now because we've got to get things done. Right. And if it only ever come, becomes about 
the to-do list and getting things done, like that's, that's not, like you said, that's not necessarily a relationship. Right. You know, and it makes me think of, um, you can feel guilty for it, but it makes me think of, um, of Jesus in the scriptures. Like mm. he's out, he's ministering to the crowds, which is what we're doing most of the time. We're, we're at work, mm-hmm. we're taking care of our kids, we're taking care of the, of paying the bills right. or of the, the calendar or making sure the meals are prepped for the next day or, you know, we're spending so much time ministering to other people mm-hmm. and that is what the Lord did. But what would he do? There were times where he would have to escape a crowd yes. and he'd go away and pray. And we need to do that individually in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need to do that in That's our relationships yeah. is like, and what is what does he say? I'm getting all this from Andy too. So if he listens to this, he's gonna be like, "You stole that from me." It's like, <laughs> yes, I did. It's because you're wise. Um, but what does the Lord say in those moments? He says, "The poor will always be with you." Mm. And so those jobs and those tasks are never going away. Mm-hmm. Like I often ask my friends sometimes, I'm like, "When does life slow down?" And most people jokingly respond with. Never. Right. Because it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're only ever waiting to spend time with the people that you love for when life slows down, you're never going to spend time with them. Yeah. And so you have to car- carve out that time. Yeah. And you have to do exactly what Jesus did, because he did it as well. He walked away from people who needed healing mm-hmm. so that he could go and pray and take care of himself. Mm-hmm. And we have to do that individually and as couples, too. And thinking of it as a responsibility almost, Mm. because I think, you know, especially with when people have kids, you feel that added pressure to be there Mm -hmm. and be attentive and nurturing and remembering that your marriage or your relationship is more important than your relationship with your children, Mm -hmm. as crazy as that might sound. But like you were saying, you know, you have to have that time away to refresh and work on yourself and retreat. Mm -hmm. So that you can be available to help the people who need you most. Yeah. And if you if the foundation of your marriage is not present, there's nothing strong for that your children to stand on. Exactly. That's your family foundation. Mm-hmm. And they they want to feel that security. Mm-hmm. And they know from a very young age if something's not right. Mm-hmm. They can sense it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it destabilizes their whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it does, it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds right. selfish to say like, I'm going to invest in my relationship first. Mm-hmm. But really what that's doing is that's actually giving a gift to your children. Right. I actually remember as a kid, um, when my parents would go out on dates, which didn't happen terribly often, but mm-hmm. when they would thinking like, Oh, I'm so excited that they're doing that. <laughs> and that was when I was in elementary school. And I yeah. remember having that sense and seeing that happen and seeing those moments when, like, they clearly loved each other. Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, all's right with my world. Yeah. And I remember picking up on that. I would I think it was probably around second or third grade. Mm. And so it is. It's a gift that you give your children. Exactly. You're modeling what a healthy relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. And you're getting to have fun and enjoy yourself. <laughs> and you're getting a break. And <laughs> it's a win-win. Exactly. Everybody wins. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, number three. Yes. Uh, this one I'm pretty passionate about. Okay, go for it. Don't talk badly about your spouse mm. when they're not around. Mm. So this is like kind of a the opposite of a like habit in terms of like it's not something necessarily something you do, but it's a habit of something you don't do. Mm-hmm. And I think this is especially um, 
an especially difficult one for women. Mm. You know, the first one we're kind of picking on men a little bit. Yeah. So now it might be time to pick <laughs> on the women. Um, it is so easy, and I see it all the time, where women will go out and, like, girls' night, mm-hmm. and it'll turn into, let's talk about our husbands. Husband bashing. Yes. Uh, it's just terrible, and it can be so uncomfortable. If you've made a habit of not speaking poorly about your husband, um, it can be a really uncomfortable moment where it's like, I I don't really have anything to say, mm-hmm. or I don't want to talk about this in this venue. But I think it's it's so important because a relationship is not just when the two of you are in the same room. Like, I'm in a relationship with Andy, even though he's not in this room with us right now. Right. And whatever I say, so there's a space between us that spans large amounts of physical space right and whatever i put into that space constitutes our relationship Mm -hmm. so just because he's not here and he can't hear me doesn't mean that if i'm talking poorly about him it won't affect our relationship still putting stuff into that space exactly yep and that affects the relationship Mm -hmm. um whether he knows about it or not and um to make a habit of not speaking poorly of your husband, um, to maybe put it to the opposite of making a habit of only speaking well of your right. husband in public situations, mm-hmm. um, it, it really does improve your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a healthy indicator that like things are going well. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's a boundary thing. There are, it's not that, so Andy is not perfect and there are definitely things that he does that are frustrating and there's parts of our relationship that we still need to work on right but there are appropriate people to talk to about that right and the question then becomes why am I having this conversation again because if marriage is supposed to be about getting one another to heaven right becoming a better person through my marriage is the point of this conversation just to gossip Mm-hmm. And to just talk badly about right. him because Share it feels stories good. and laugh and right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or is it problem solving? Mm-hmm. Is the point of this conversation that there is something that's frustrating going on for me, and I want somebody to help me with it? Right. Those kinds of conversations don't happen with everybody. There, those conversations happen with a select few people that you trust. That you trust. Mm-hmm. And that you maybe respect mm-hmm. and maybe even admire as far as their own marriage and their own relationship goes. Yes. Because, you know, one thing to avoid would be tricking yourself into thinking or rationalizing, oh, yeah, when I go out with the girls, that's totally what I'm doing. I want that problem solving. That's why I'm sharing it with them because mm-hmm. I need to figure this out. Is it really? Is that really your intention? You know, are these women surrounding you going to be supportive and helpful of trying to problem solve and help you improve your relationship with this issue you're bringing up? Or is it just going to be another story to laugh at your husband's Mm -hmm. expense and there's no resolution or no ideas of brainstorming of what to do about it? Yeah. Are they, and are they willing to challenge you and say Mm -hmm. like, yes, what he did was ridiculous and here was what your role was in that too. Mm-hmm. Because there, that again, we're talking what we talked about at the beginning, that hearing of feedback and that willingness mm-hmm. to be vulnerable and say, I'm not perfect in a situation. Because, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit that there were times um, where I'd be out, like, out with the girls and it's like, well, my husband did this and my husband did this. And it's like, oh, well, I've got one for you too. <laughs> it almost becomes like a... Competition. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but, but again, like, what is the point of that? And in that moment, if somebody had said, well, Lisa, I think you're wrong. I think you did A, B, or C wrong. Would I be willing to hear that feedback? And also, how was I painting that picture? Mm. Was I painting that picture because it made me look good? Because mm. it made me look like I clearly know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that guy's a dum-dum. Mm-hmm. Which, again, we kind of get back to that sitcom mentality. Right. And am I just kind of falling into that role where it's really easy to say, like, I've got it all together and he has no idea what's happening. Right. Um, because... How are they supposed to give me honest feedback and honestly problem solve with me if I'm painting a picture of myself as Mm. I clearly know what's happening in this situation and he just needs to get it together. Right. Because if that's the picture I'm painting, the likelihood of that situation happening where I know exactly what the right thing is and Andy has no idea, that's so rare. Mm -hmm. In fact, I don't even know if I could come up once (laughs) when that's what's happening. Right. You know, situations right. and, and conflict are so varied and shades of gray, mm-hmm. and both parties have a part to play, that if the story I'm telling makes it look like I'm perfect and he's dumb, right? then I need to question, what's the point of this conversation? Yeah, and do you have the humility to do that, mm. to recognize who you really are, share that accurately, recognize who your spouse is in that moment, and be neutral yeah. in your sharing and the humility to receive that feedback from mm-hmm. your peers about what to do better about it. Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing is also asking yourself, how would I feel if my husband somehow overheard this conversation? Mm. Like if he happened to be standing behind a curtain and I didn't know it, mm-hmm. would I have changed the way that I had told that story? Mm. And would this help our relationship? Yep. Or would this conversation have made things monumentally worse? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's another... Because sometimes it's hard to know your own intentions. Like, yeah. you want to right. speak well of your husband, and you want a conversation to be about problem solving. Right. But when you're in an emotionally heightened state or you feel wronged... And sometimes we want to vent also. You want to yes. have that space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's why I think it's important to kind of choose in your mind ahead of time, ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Who are the people that I'm willing to open up to about this? Mm-hmm. And it should be only a handful. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be able to count those people on one hand. Yes. Um, because, again, it should be somebody that you, you trust at a, at a pretty deep level. Right. Um, because they need to be able to challenge you, and you need to feel safe enough to tell them, at, like, parts of the story where you messed up and you weren't in the right. Right. What I really like about this too is speaking positively is it makes me think back to our therapist toolbox episode with the solution focused theories. Yeah. And it's very solution focused almost like because I have these conversations with my clients sometimes of people have habits of coming in week after week and want to share everything that went wrong because right you want to come in and let's problem solve so let me tell you what happened Mm. and let's fix it and I say actually can you tell me what went well over the past week I don't really want to worry about that right Mm -hmm. now let's tell me the things that went well so we can maximize and capitalize on that and foster those skills and do that again (laughs) maybe happen more frequently (laughs) and so I feel like if you're intentional about only speaking positively about your spouse you're going to be intentional about looking and seeing and Mm. only recognizing the positive things and less likely to recognize the negative Mm -hmm. so 
over time, you would not really have a lot to share when it comes to girls' night yeah. as far as negative stories mm-hmm. because you've been working on looking through that lens of seeing things in a positive mm-hmm. light. Anyway. And, and then what happens for your spouse is, like, when you start to see that and recognize that and they, they know that that's what's happening, it encourages that, mm-hmm. that good behavior in them, too. And right. it encourages a healthier relationship. They might do the same to you yeah. inadvertently from it. Exactly. And it is. It's to the point now. And Andy and I's relationship was, has, isn't and never has been perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, we've grown and become better people over time. And so I definitely had more to complain about at the beginning of our relationship than I do now and it, it does come to the point so those moments when it would be a girls night and they're all talking badly about their husbands I sometimes I would have a story and I'd have to stop myself yeah. from offering it yeah. and now it's to the point where it's like I mean I'd have to dig deep to find something and right. it wouldn't it wouldn't be anywhere near as intense <laughs> and that's not because like well you're lucky right no I'm not lucky mm-hmm. I'm intentional you're and Andy is intentional, and right. we put a lot of work into our marriage. Right. So did I start out with a pretty awesome person to begin with? Yes, mm-hmm. and he was not perfect then, mm-hmm. and neither was I. Mm-hmm. And so that I don't like that either when sometimes people are like, well, you're just lucky because Andy's great. Mm-hmm. No, it's not luck. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and especially as, as Christian people, as people of faith, I would say, like, no, luck has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with we put Christ at the center of our marriage, mm-hmm. and we're very intentional about the way that we arrange our marriage. And I think you'd probably say the same thing. Absolutely. And what is what is our responsibility as Christians to live out that vocation, you mm-hmm. know, seeking to improve and find ways that we can love better. Yes. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. This is just another way and another opportunity to love more perfectly. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so one. number four. Yes, number four, soft startup. So mm. what, is, what does that mean? It's another Gottman <laughs> term. <laughs> I'm geeking him. out a little bit. <laughs> but um, typically when arguments happen, which all couples argue, happy couples argue, unhappy couples argue. Mm. But I think what's going to be different is the way an argument start, starts. Mm-hmm. And this can help, you know, you can practice this. If you don't see this happening in your own relationship, you can develop this skill But I feel like in happier marriages, when an argument happens, they're more likely to go, they don't go from zero to 60 instantly in a Mm -hmm. snap. They might say something along the lines of, hey, there's something really bothering me that I want to talk to you. Can we, or can we talk about X, like, can we talk about the dishes, please? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or maybe even more, like, earnestly, like, I really need to talk to you about these dishes, right? Yeah. (laughs) But... Before you come in guns blazing and saying, you lazy slob, I see these, why are these dishes here every single day, right? Those are two very beginning, two very different ways to begin an argument. Yes. And so the more likely you're able to begin and have that soft startup mm-hmm. to your argument, the more likely it's going to end well. Yeah. Well, and we've used this word quite a few times, is um, defensive, is mm. because when you use a soft startup, the, the defensive walls don't go up immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're kind of giving it a little bit of mystery. Like, there's something mm-hmm. I need to talk to you about. <laughs> and it's like you can't get defensive about something you're not quite <laughs> sure of yet, you know, versus like... I'm intrigued. Let me hear more. Yeah. What, what is this? What to talk about? <laughs> I'm curious. 
Um, and it kind of gives room for the other person to talk and to give their feedback and to give their perspective versus because I find with um, the opposite of a soft startup, it's just, it's almost like the person trying to get out their whole argument immediately in like one sentence and as big as they possibly can. So right. like, you never do the dishes. Mm. Well, there is no room for shades of gray in that statement. Right. There's no room for the other person's perspective. Mm. So they immediately have to come in fighting. Yes, I do. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I did the dishes yesterday. And this is the thing is I think there's a difference between conflict and fighting. Yes. There's a big difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. And so do Andy and I have conflicts? Yes. Mm -hmm. There are times when like our opinions on things conflict and we have to have a conversation about that. Right. Does that mean that conversation is always a fight? Right. No. Mm -hmm. Popular society would label them all the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so there are certain ways that you fight about things. Like, exactly. And part of it is using statements like always, never. Um, those big, like, totalitarian words mm -hmm. that leave no wiggle room. And you. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pointing the finger. Mm -hmm. That is a big part of it, too. A soft startup usually starts with your feelings, mm -hmm. your perspective, mm -hmm. um, and it tends to not be accusatory. Mm -hmm. So, like, the dishes thing. Like, hey, I'd like to talk about the dishes. Um, recently, I've noticed that they're not being done as much. And for me, that's really frustrating. Mm -hmm. And see how the emotion is about is about you as the individual. It's not, right. you never do the dishes. Right. It's, I'm finding a situation frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to talk about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it can create a conversation about a plan, you know? Yeah. Because maybe this whole time your spouse was frustrated with you for not doing the dishes. <laughs> and the fact that you were willing to bring it up with that soft startup, you could have a conversation about scheduling mm. and expectations of who does what and when, and mm -hmm. you might be able to come up with a solution of either we agree that whoever comes home first from work does the dishes that day, or you pick days, or whatever it is that works yeah. best for you, but if you started out with, you're so lazy, why aren't you doing the dishes, that conversation couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And leaving that door open for that round table, for that influence, for that feedback, like you're saying, mm -hmm. to come up with a solution. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing, one of the things you just said reminded me that a soft startup doesn't include, is a soft startup does not include a, um, an evaluation of the other person's character. Mm -hmm. It focuses on behaviors, mm -hmm. not on the other person's interior motivations yes. or the care, the quality of their character. You know, so like one of the things you said, you're so lazy. Right. It's like, oh, you just put up a wall for that person immediately. <laughs> right. It's over. You know, versus it being, if you make it about a behavior, mm -hmm. like I notice when you eat lunch on the weekends that you don't put the dish, you don't rinse the dish and put it in the dishwasher right away. Mm -hmm. Like. That, that, is, that is a behavior, and that's something that um, you're not qualifying who they are as a person mm -hmm. with that. Right. And that's where defensiveness comes in. Defe defensiveness comes in with, I feel I have to protect myself. Right. You know? Right. Or even taking it a step further and just saying, I'm noticing lots of unrinsed dishes mm -hmm. and leaving you out altogether and saying, what can we do about this? It's that's really great. bothering me, right? Yeah. And... Because 
it's just so easy, especially in relationships, for conflict to oh, yeah. come up. I'm almost feeling like another podcast is coming up here, which is yeah. how to fight fair. Yes. <laughs> I was actually thinking that in my head before you said that was we're basically going through the list of rules for fair fighting because yep. there's no such thing as no relationship should ever be judged on how often you fight or no. how many fights you have. It's about how you fight. Absolutely. And so are you fighting fair in your relationship or are you not? Are you fighting dirty. Right. And that's yeah. the difference between healthy versus unhealthy, mm-hmm. happy versus not. Mm-hmm. And the soft startup can be a way for you to fight fair and have that healthy habit yeah it's the beginning of a fair fight absolutely yeah so those are our four healthy habits of happy marriage Mm -hmm. willingness to give feedback making time for each other like dates talking positively don't talk badly about your spouse no Mm -hmm. change those girls nights (laughs) and use the soft startup Mm -hmm. those are just four that you know have come off the top of our head i'm sure we'll come up with more as we go along but if you're noticing those in your relationship congrats you're doing great um if maybe those are something that you haven't seen they're definitely something that you can work on and just let them be on your radar Mm -hmm. um because that's the thing about a habit it's a thing that you build up over time right so this isn't necessarily like well i don't do these things so it's over right (laughs) you know it's okay you can (laughs) you can all get there yeah (laughs) Well, that's it for today, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. See ya.